Hello and welcome back to episode 37 of Double Reel. This is the third part of our monthly magazine podcast for the discerning film nerd. Hopefully you've caught up with the first two parts which came out in the past couple of weeks. If not, please do go back to your app, download them and have a listen. Part one is Double Reel Monthly with news, reviews of new releases including The Three Musketeers D'Artagnan, my monthly David Cronenberg film which was Spider and James's look at a Nick Cage film picked at random. Part two was our regular features including our classics and recommended feature Drive, our hidden gem Casualties of War, our one that got away about John Carpenter and Tombstone and a remake hate watch of World War II film Midway. Now in our final part for this month we give you the big conversation where we talk about a topic from the film world in more detail. First of all a warm welcome to my co-host James Adamson. Thank you very much, good to be back. So the topic of our big conversation today is film trilogies, which ones we think are the best, what makes a great film trilogy and you know uh, the different uh, elements around that story. Um, from your point of view, in, in terms of film trilogies, when did you become aware of this as a concept, the idea that you know you would tell like a bigger story arc across sort of several films that way? Well, quite early on with um, the prequels, the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, they they sort of came along in the in the nineties. So you'd have caught the first one probably on video. Um, were you big enough to go and see the second one when it came out at the cinema? Uh, I don't remember seeing it, but I remember watching it pretty soon after it came out on DVD. And, so and I watched it before Revenge of the Sith came out, and then I saw Revenge of the Sith in the at, cinema. at the cinema. Yeah, and that that's clearly a trilogy because it's gone arc from you know Anakin Skywalker as a child through to. You know, you know. Spoiler alert: In becoming Darth Vader in the third film, um, it's also called one, two, and three. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and in a sense, the the first uh, the first set of Star Wars films that came out between nineteen seventy seven and nineteen eighty three are also a trilogy. That that was the first one I was I was aware of. There might have been trilogies prior to that, but I think it's a reasonably recent phenomenon in film, isn't it? Um. Yeah, I think it's very bold for people to assume that we're going to make trilogies these days because it's the industry's based so much on success so you know i don't know if the batman trilogy ever wanted to be a trilogy because christopher Nolan was just trying to show warner brothers that he could you know make these big um yeah and and i think that happens a few times doesn't it he obviously makes batman begins because he wants to do a batman film He's clearly interested in Batman, and he also wants to, like you say, show a studio what he can do. But I get the feeling that it became a trilogy after the first film. He may, he may have, he may have intended to do two more films, but only after he'd got the first one in the can, I reckon. Yeah. You also, you also get this element of like films being like looked back upon as trilogies, even though they might not have been conceived that way. For example, um, Sir Leone's Dollars tr- trilogy also often known as the um, Man With No Name trilogy. That probably wasn't conceived as a trilogy in the first place, was it? Oh, no, definitely not. But it sort of accidentally became one, didn't it? Yeah. And they talk about... um, They talk about Edgar Wright's Cornetto trilogy, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Hot Fuzz, and um, The World's End. And they've retrospectively started to call three films that that, uh, John Carpenter did, the Apocalypse trilogy... The thing, uh, Prince of Darkness, and in the Mouth of Madness, they were never conceived as kind of a, a, like a trilogy of like three parts of the same story. That they're sort of referred to as a trilogy because they all they all sort of link together as almost films about kind of you know the end of the world in a sense. It's, yeah, it's very rare that you get a trilogy these days because I don't even think Francis Ford Coppola intended on making a trilogy, did he? Because he made Godfather 1, and Godfather 1 could have been its own film, but it was that good they made another. And then Godfather 2 was also amazing. And then, like, 16 years later, they made Godfather 3, but that probably wasn't the intention. Yeah, so Godfather Godfather 1, you know, is based on the book, but leaves a lot of stuff from the book out. So Godfather 2 had more of, of, of Mario Puzo's original story left to tell. Godfather Part Three was definitely not planned. In, you know, in in the late eighties, Coppola was trying to get other films off the ground, and the only film that the studio would let him do with a big budget, after the kind of rather shitty eighties he'd had, was another Godfather film. He he didn't really intend to do one, um, so it's hard to call that a trilogy as well. Um, so we've had some contributions from listeners about trilogies. Um, Again, similar to, to when we've done kind of uh, other sort of listener messages about big conversation, there's a lot of um, uh, there's you know a, a lot of suggestions get made. Can't say the names of all the people who's made them, otherwise we'll be here all day. 
Um, Back to the Future gets mentioned as a trilogy. Um, how strict are we going to be about trilogies here? Because Back to the Future was conceived as a trilogy from two and three onwards. They did a first Back to the Future film. It was a big hit. And when they called Robert Zemeckis back for a sequel, he said, I'd actually like to do two more films and I'm going to film them back to back and they're going to be like, it's 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 all one story. The story continues in two and then continues through to three and has like a cliff, you know, part one has a cliffhanger that kind of takes you to the next, but, but I think I think that was speculative, wasn't it? At the end of Back to the Future, they, they don't know that the film's going to be a massive hit, but they've left themselves open to a sequel and then they go and make it into a trilogy. So does that count? Does Back to the Future count as a trilogy in that way? Um, I suppose it does, but yeah, because they they made more than they made three films, didn't they? Yeah. So I think we're kind of getting into the nuances of whether it was an intentional or an unintentional trilogy. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not sure how much he fully intended a trilogy, but the way it actually pans out is that at the end of the first Back to the Future film, it says you've got to go get in my flying car and go forward thirty years in the future because there's a problem to solve, and so it does when you watch the three films, it does work as one story told over three films. So it kind of, it kind of does. What about Toy Story? Toy Story gets talked about as a great trilogy, Toy Story 1, 2, and 3. And then um, they ruined it. They ruined it with a fourth one. So the, fir- the, first, the first question is, Toy Story 1 works, and then I'm not sure how much they ever intended it to be a trilogy, but 1, 2, and 3 works as a trilogy because it takes you from, you know, Andy as a small child through to you know, when it's time for him to go off to college and, and what he does with those toys so that, you know, you know, again, a bit of a spoiler alert, but, you know, passing them on to another kid. Um, so that works as a story arc. But does it stop being a trilogy if they make a fourth film? Yes. It's so, simple. So they've kind of ruined that, haven't they? They've ruined a great yes, trilogy by making an unnecessary anymore. fourth film. They had the perfect trilogy. Um, yeah, that was... Yeah, I mean, other other films that have, that they've done as trilogies have done the Jason Bourne trilogy, which there were three books by the original author. So I and think then that they did w- another one. Yeah, they did another one. So maybe that's not a trilogy, but it's not it's not based on a Robert Ludlum novel. It's not a trilogy. Yeah, so they've kind of killed it. There's the Evil Dead trilogy, which I don't think is a trilogy. They just kind of ended up making three films. Someone mentioned the Naked Gun, which again they just did. I, I don't think it's a trilogy when they just happen to have made a couple of sequels. Similarly with Indiana Jones, that, that falls down on both, doesn't it? That's someone else that mentioned by, by, by a listener, but it falls down, A, because they've made more Indiana Jones films, so it's not a trilogy anymore, and B, I think those are just sequels. They say, let's do another Indiana Jones film. So well, then just, Star Wars aren't trilogies then, because it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and they're making 10, 11, 12, so there's not trilogies. I think people argue that, just, that uh, people are arguing that that's like a group of trilogies. <laughs> it's like a trilogy of trilogies. Four trilogies, yeah. Yeah. They also have uh, someone mentioned Beverly Hills Cop. That's not a trilogy. We, I, I think we, I think we'd call Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy a trilogy now because I think it, you know, that it, it, it holds up. Yeah. Um, uh, what else gets mentioned on this list? Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's, a, you know, there was a bit of back and forth on on the list of messages about whether you can count The Godfather as a trilogy. Um, it's. Yeah, so I think you know you get, get the so the other the other one was Mad Max, which again they've made a fourth film and they never never really conceived it as a trilogy. So I think sometimes people sort of throw it out as a trilogy, even though it isn't. I think, and also there's Pirates of the Caribbean, which tried to do the Back to the Future thing, where they made one film and then they made two sequels back to back, and then they made five and four and five. Sorry, so yeah, I, I don't think yeah, the the film that really kind of is probably the absolute sort of apogee of the idea of a trilogy is is Lord of the Rings, though, right? That's the trilogy. That's the big one, yeah. isn't it? They're not going to make a fourth one. They're not going to make a prequel to it. There's not going to be... The, the original cast won't be in it. It's... Those are those. Those are three films. Yeah, and they, the... It, it's based on three books by Tolkien, which was clearly conceived as three books. It's not like he said, after writing The Two Towers, well, if this does well, I'll, I'll, I'll write another one. Quite clearly, the story of... You know the, the you know the, the way Fellowship of the Ring ends leads you to Two Towers, and the way Two Towers ends leads you to Fellowship of the Ring. You know it's based on a book. It's based on books that were conceived as a trilogy. They were made you know back to back as a trilogy. It, it it it's the it it's the most complete trilogy, isn't it? Yeah.
I mean, there are other good ones that I would kind of throw into the mix that I think kind of deserve mention. I think the new Planet of the Apes trilogy, because although that's more stories of Planet of the Apes, it is a reboot and it doesn't really kind of, you know, follow the rest yeah, of the films. It doesn't, it's not, yeah, it's, it's nothing to do with the original films. They are talking about making another one, which would stop it being a trilogy. But oh, as of as it. of now, it is a trilogy, Dawn, Rise and War. And I think it's a hugely underrated set of films as well. Um, I mean, I love Sergio, Leo, Sergio Leone's kind of three big spaghetti westerns, but they're not really a trilogy, are they? They, they, don't, they don't feel interconnected. No, they're not even connected stories. Um, there is the Millennium Trilogy, the, the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo films from Sweden. Um, and I'll ignore the girl with the spider's web because that was, um, you know, members of Stig Larsson's family who were never meant to have the rights to the film, sort of commissioning more books by someone else. That's bullshit. The it's, original, also an, it's also a very American film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, the the original kind of Swedish girl with the dragon tattoo. That is a, that is a three part story. Um, what about the How to Drain, Train Your Dragon films? The three films. I don't know if I've even seen the third one, to be honest, but. Yeah, I, I like them. I think they're underrated, and I think the sort of work as a story. It does feel a little bit like they made one, and because it was successful, they made more. Um, what about something like Linklater's Before trilogy? Because yeah. it kind of it's it's kind of um, look from my point of view, I haven't seen all of them, um, but I, I thought it's a really interesting idea that is. What Linklater did was he wrote the original story before Sunrise uh, and thought it was really interesting. And years later, he wanted to write a, a follow-up. says, where, where have they got to? Where have these characters got to? And what would happen if they met again? And then he did Before Midnight, which kind of continued the story further on. And I don't know how planned all of that was. You never know with Richard Linklater when you know he does a film like Boyhood and films are over 12 years. But I get the feeling that he just he just went back to the story and it became a trilogy, you know? Yeah, I think, I don't know, how are we defining a trilogy? I think it's got to be three interconnected stories, and I don't think it matters with intent or not, mm-hmm. But because obviously The Lord of the Rings was intended to be a trilogy because it was filmed over like 18 to 24 months. Um, the Dark Knight trilogy is a bit different. I think he was just making Batman Begins, and then that did really well, and they thought, well, what can we do with The Dark Knight? And then mm-hmm. it sort of needed to be rounded off. Um, then... The Godfather, that probably wasn't meant to be a trilogy, but ended up being a trilogy. But then the Sergio Leone, Big Spaghetti Westerns, they're on three films, but they're not a trilogy. So I think the trilogy has to be, you know, a story art that tells a story of characters, but it doesn't actually... I, I, I think I think it has to be, um, like you say, I, I'm, I'm pretty relaxed about whether they intended from day one for it to be a trilogy. But if after the three films have been made, it's very clearly a th- one story told across three films that you know it's interconnected stories that end up with an arc that kind of starts with the first film and completes with the third that I think you can call that a trilogy um I think something like again it's not a trilogy now because they went and made more sequels but when you take the Die Hard films those are just up to 1995 with the third one those are just three movies they just did two sequels even though in the third one it kind of has calls back to characters from the first film, that's not a trilogy because they just did two sequels. If you continue the story or do another one happening to the same person, it's like Jaws 1, 2 and 3 aren't a trilogy either, you know? It's, you know it doesn't work that way. Yeah. I, w- I, would, I would say that all the, 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 the three groups of Star Wars films that have been made, I think each of them works as a trilogy. Although, what do you call a group of nine films, the Skywalker saga? A non-allergy? Is that what you call it? I don't know, I, I don't know what you call a group of exactly. nine films. Yeah, no idea. But, I mean, one, you know, episodes one, two, and three tell you the story of, like, Anakin's childhood through to his downfall. Episodes four, five, and six tell you the continue, you know, tell you the battle between Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and Darth Vader's sort of eventual kind of, you know, ending up. And for all the faults of the uh, of Star Wars seven, eight, and nine, I think they were trying to do it as a trilogy, weren't they? And they're they're just not very good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, and the Hobbit. I mean, I suppose in, the intent is there to make it a trilogy, and and it's it, it is all one story. Um, again, I think I've got a, I've got it down on my list of like bad trilogies because they've kind of fallen they've fallen down a rabbit hole of trying to make three films out of a book that would probably just about make one or maximum two, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it is a trilogy um, because they made 
three films, <laughs> and, it, and, quite, and, it, and it is one story because it's basically it's it's what it's basically one book cut into three parts. Material, so yeah. it's, uh, so it is three parts. So it's a trilogy. Yeah, um, I mean the, but you know part of this is like you know we talk about trilogies because there are great trilogies that we love. I mean, Lord of the Rings is just an amazing kind of narrative achievement and a filmmaking achievement that it tells you this amazing sweeping tale across three stories and 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 it, and it does it really well just because a mood just because a trilogy is bad it doesn't stop it being a trilogy i mean uh, you know when i was looking this up they said uh, you know good and bad trilogies and under the bad they listed uve boll's blood rain trilogy <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to uve boll i mean just because it's shit it could still be a trilogy i will happily fight you <laughs> i will fight you to the death that's right he's the one who threatens to fight people who don't he like fights his them. films he fights them and he battles them he's fun he's a funny man just just a little side note, this isn't related to trilogies, but I had a fucking heart attack there because I was reading up about The Godfather Part 2 just as I was scrolling through different trilogies on IMDb, and it's, I saw related, uh, related news, and all I read was Robert De Niro at 79, and I went, no, he's had a seventh child. Yeah, fucking he's had hell. a seventh child, yeah, he's keeping busy. Fucking, I thought he died. Yeah. But congratulations, Robert, you had shagger. Um, yes. So, so it's not a trilogy if they just end up making three films. It doesn't have to have always been intended as a trilogy. Um, what what makes a trilogy work and what makes them go wrong? I mean, let, let's look at like one that went wrong. Forget about Resurrections for a second, but the Matrix trilogy, a brilliant first film that just went to pot with the second and third films. What what's um, why yeah. didn't what what did that fail to do to 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 succeed as a trilogy? I think there's a few factors you've got to consider. I think you've got to consider the hype and the buzz around like the sequel and then the I don't know what you would call the third one the sequel to the sequel the trio yeah. um, is that there will be so much expectation the Matrix was so adored and so loved and such a massive success yeah. that it's hard to follow up on that hype because they went with a to- they went in a totally different direction with the story and introduced the world of what was it Zion yeah and it just didn't work but that was the that's how the Wachowskis wanted to expand on it so I think you've got to look at the buzz around it and how you manage that buzz and still create a story that's fresh, exciting, isn't too much of the same, but isn't too out there. Mm. So that's why the Dark Knight trilogy works, because it's still a very dark, gothic story. Yeah. But the the Matrix story doesn't really work, because I just don't think people like the way the story went. The CGI yeah. gets a bit ropey. Um, there are still good moments. You know, that final fight in the kind of... the, the apartment complex in the kind of playground yeah. with all the Agent Smiths is a fucking amazing idea, isn't it? Where Neo just starts fucking kicking ass, but yeah. it it's just poorly done in terms of CGI. So I think that's where you have to... I think that's the first thing you have to consider is that how do we make a story that... It's hard to live up to the expectation of the first one. And it probably yeah. never was going to live up to the expectation of the first one. So the John Wick films have done very well in the sense that they're, they're still kicking ass and they're still badass, but they might not be as awesome as... Ha- because... You never get over that, oh, wow, this is such a cool new idea for a film. Like, the boogeyman who is just this assassin is fucking killing everyone. It's Keanu Reeves doing his bad acting but making a great film. Yes, it's it's hard to kind of keep that going, but they've managed it very well. And I just don't think The Matrix managed it yeah. because they just went, they went fucking bananas with the story. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, John Wick disqualifies itself from your trilogy because they made a fourth. But, no. if you, but if you get to the end of the third, I think the reason the John Wick films work is that even though they get bigger and bigger... The kind of the kind of escalation, it, it works. It's like with, with the Nolan trilogy, right? The Dark Knight is a bigger film than Batman Begins, even though, but it's not. It's not so much bigger that it's unrecognizable. It's like Christopher Nolan is maintaining a certain tone and a certain theme to the story. So even though the Dark Knight is bigger, it's got you know he starts to film it in IMAX. He tells a you know a, it's it's a bigger story than than Begins. Begins is basically Nolan going. This is a, this is how you do an origin story properly, right? But with with the Dark Knight, he takes the story on, but it's not so unrecognizable from the first film. And then and then, although Dark Knight Rises is the weakest of the three, you know, one of them's got to be. It it, it takes you somewhere. Whereas yeah, with but- with the Matrix, I think the problem they had was was that well, part 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 of the problem is I don't think the Wachowskis are all that, and I think they made one brilliant film, but they didn't have that many more brilliant films left in them. But yeah. the, the, the problem you've got with The Matrix is that you've got an absolutely brilliant premise for one film. And 
there is a whole world there and maybe there's a good story that could be told out of the matrix but you could watch the end of the, i mean when i watched the matrix i thought hey sure a sequel I, you know when they when i heard they were making more i said yeah i'll watch those but i also remember when i watched the um the first matrix film i remember thinking the ending of the film was very satisfying you know and I know it kind of goes with like, uh, you know, Neo sort of flying off and sending a message to, to the Agent Smiths, we're going to, you know, we're going to defeat you. And obviously leaves it open that the story is going to continue. But also from, a, from a, a dramatic point of view, that's a really nice ending. You didn't have to continue that story. Do you know what I mean? You kind of get the idea after the first film, right? I wasn't sorry. Just the before I go about the Matrix, I wasn't saying that the John Wick, John Wick films were a trilogy, but they what I was talking about was like how they managed the hype. No, no, you're right. No, no, I, 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 I get why you introduce it. I'm sorry, mate. So, I, I get. No, why no, you no, 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 no. I'm just. It's the first point is how you manage the hype. The next point is establishing a story, and I think the Dark Knight trilogy did very well in just exploring Batman, introducing the Joker. I mean, they were very lucky that Heath Ledger was putting in the greatest performance I think I've ever seen by an actor, but they, they were kind of building a little bit of a story and The Dark Knight Rises is obviously the weakest of the trilogy, but it's still it's 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 still adding to the story and the desperation and just everything works for me. But The Matrix doesn't work because I just think they went the wrong way with the story. I think if you're going to tell me that it's the we're living in a matrix and it's the year 2000 or so or 1998 or whatever it is and you're living in an altered state of reality and we're actually living in 2150 or 2250 then how do you show that and i didn't like how they kind of showed it underground and this kind of the very kind of tribal almost felt very agrarian you know what i mean it felt very back in the day kind of vibe and i feel like they should have shown what the world looked like on the surface but you know, a bit more run down and like, you know, kind of like Terminator vibes. Yeah. I feel like they could have shown that as opposed to what they ended up showing. Um, which brings which brings you back to your problem a little bit is that as, as fascinating as an idea is, and obviously that you you realise there's another story to tell in terms of, well, do they defeat the machines? Do the machines strike back and all that sort of thing? You do have the fundamental problem that if the the world that was interesting of the Matrix was the virtual world, you yeah. got the impression from the first film that the reality outside the Matrix that they're living in was pretty shitty. And and that works within the context of the movie, but then when you say, oh, let's go and see how they all live, and it's like, oh, that's probably going to be shit, you know? <laughs> it's like, if... if the They obviously... I think I think the big problem they had is they went oh we've got a lot more money now we've got a lot more support we can do whatever the hell we want so they just kind of threw ideas at the screen yeah and I think I think that was their problem because they went oh no let's have a obviously it's still their fault they did the sexy rave which is one of the most embarrassing things ever put on screen but the idea that everyone living in Zion is like having kind of groovy raves and stuff it's like, it's like it doesn't work no what other trilogies don't work well, you see, obviously after Back to the Future, because Back to the Future, I think, does a very good job. This is, you know, it, it, it doesn't fall... Some people don't like Back to the Future 3. I thought it was really good. There are other people who think Back to the Future 2 is a bit kind of like, obvious or some of the references have dated. But I think what, what I think Rob Zemeckis does really well of that is said, okay, I've had a big fit. So I've had a big hit. I'm coming back for the, for the, for the you know, parts two and three. It's obviously going to be bigger and... You know, the se the sequels are always bigger, right? Bigger than the first one because you had a big hit the first time and now the studio throws lots of money at you. But I think the the money went on, you know, obviously the future costs more to more to portray than the past, right? Certainly more to portray than the present. But the idea of this future and everything else, uh the and and then going back and when you know, when when the plot kind of screws things around, it creates an alternate timeline, all that stuff. It's a good story. Because someone sat down and said, rather than just say, I can do whatever I want now, I'm going to throw things at the screen. I have a story which I'm going to tell. I'm, I'm going to use the money and time and clout with the studio to actually tell this more ambitious story. But it's a good story. Get the story right and it takes you a long way. With the Matrix re you know, um, revolutions, I mean, there's stuff I find very interesting in that film. I know it's very controversial, but that kind of 
weird conversation he has with the architect at the end. I kind of like that in, in an odd sense because it's kind of like, it is ambitious and sort of mind expanding. But there's also a bit like, you know, they built their own motorway so that they could have a long car chase. Yeah, so? Yeah. It's like, people should always have slightly more ideas than money when they're making a film, you know? And if you look at the, um, you know, the first Matrix film had a budget of $63 million, which is not pocket change, right? But it, it cost $63 million and, and made 467 to uh, uh to make. And then for the second film, you know, it cost nearly, nearly three times as much. And it's just like, they just threw money at it rather than ideas. The thing about the first film is it's absolutely packed with ideas. And the second film is just like, everything's bigger and louder. But what, what's interesting is that from Back to the Future, I think what happens is that once someone gets a sequel green lit, it's now quite common that they will like green light a part two and a part three together. So they plan parts two and part three. So I guess the trick is getting those right, which Nolan does with The Dark Knight and The Dark Knight Rises, which they got right with Back to the Future. An another one that kind of falls down as, as a trilogy in that sense, I know they went and made uh, subsequent afterwards, but they did the two sequels back to back or, or planned the two sequels to Pirates of the Caribbean. And Pirates of the Caribbean completely falls off a fucking cliff after the first film, doesn't it? Yeah, it it does just go a bit bananas, doesn't it? It, it sort of felt like they they'd made those films, and then they just it didn't it didn't need any more after it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean again, you look at the the first film, Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of the Black Pearl, cost uh, all did it cost cost one hundred and forty million. Um, Dead Man's Chest is going to have cost a lot more than that, and. And and I think that's where this uh, where this stuff falls down is they get a lot more money to make the film, but they don't really have any more ideas, and they just go a bit crazy. Um, you got to remember that sorry, Pirates of the Caribbean is a fucking not even a good roller coaster. We've been on it. It's just you you sit on a tiny little train thing and you go very slowly through just these very old, run down wax figures of pirates and you know buccaneers from you know 300 years ago and it's that's how that story started and they they pulled off a blinder to have such a good first film and i don't mind the second and third ones but the fourth one's got a fucking mermaid in it and the fifth one i don't even know what the fuck that was meant to be do you know what the fifth one here's here's what's really fun about that it's just i'm the kind of geek who knows this stuff um man looks things up on the internet um what's that one called on on stranger tides yeah um so, On Stranger Tides is a completely separate novel that's nothing to do with Pirates of the Caribbean. It was written in 1987. It's set during the golden age of piracy, but it, it inspired Monkey Island, the Monkey Island video game series by LucasArts, but it was never intended to be anything to do with Pirates of the Caribbean. So they just kind of crowbarred a completely different story into, into, the, into the franchise. Yeah. And I, I think... We're getting a little bit into auteur theory here because George Lucas at his best is very, very good at writing story arcs and where it, where it, where it can go Creating wrong. Creating worlds, yeah. Yeah, and uh, where, it, where it has gone wrong for him is that, you know, when he when he directed the first trilogy, he's, he's not... I don't think he's a person who should direct his own work and I think he shouldn't just sit there fiddling with a green screen. I do think you need to actually go out and make a movie, right? But George, George Lucas with a... If you said if you said to George Lucas, George, I want you to sit down with Steven Spielberg and come up with an idea for a story to be told over three films, right? You know, here's here's a pen and paper. Is is fifteen pots of coffee? You go and sit with Spielberg and work something out. Give him a weekend. I reckon to come up with a couple of decent ideas, right? Yeah. Um. You know, Tolkien's you know Lord of the Rings is a great a great work, and then Peter Jackson went, I know how to film this. You had someone in charge who had, had an idea how to make the arc work. And, and narratively, the reason Lord of the Rings works is... Lord of the Rings flirts dangerously with one of the um, the weaknesses of the trilogy format, doesn't it? Is that what what, what happens with the middle film, right? Because the, the opening film kind of, you know, Fellowship of the Ring gives you this great... You know, it, it, it does have a good story. It introduces you to the world for the first time. It's got those famous scenes, you know, the... Uh, the the wraiths going after them, the the flying sort of attack and all of that stuff, the the ring kind of taking over Sean Bean's character and all of that stuff. 
the Return of the King has the the resolution of the story. There's always that risk that the middle film feels feels a bit meh, doesn't it? Because it's not one thing or the other. But he gets it right because each book has its own beginning, middle, and end that works, and someone in charge who kind of knows how to co- control the story. And it's you know it's controlling tone and it's controlling narrative and kind of knowing where you're meant to be across across the three stories, right? Yeah, I think yeah, I think it. It's just it was just done so well, and I don't think you will ever get a trilogy done so well like that ever again. I think that it was just. I think it was the perfect time for cinema where CGI wasn't quite there yet, so they had to rely on the natural beauty of um, New Zealand, and that's why the uh, the Hobbit didn't work because they just used a load of green screen. But uh, I think yeah, I think right people are saying, starting to learn that lesson now: is that don't use too much CGI. Yeah, I mean the the planet is absolutely beautiful, and there's loads of locations on on the Earth, almost an infinite amount of locations where you can just find and do something new. You could go back to the same locations and do something different. You could use the Tunisian desert for something completely different to mm-hmm. the way they depicted Tatooine. So it's it's one of those things where they 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 just did so well. They had someone, like you say, they had someone at the helm who was like, I know how how to make this um, and do this properly, and. Yeah, that's the perfect example of how you should do a trilogy. But I don't think you'll get uh, planned trilogies anymore because they just don't work. That's why I've got no enthusiasm for these. What what the fuck are we going to call these new Star Wars trilogy? This new Star Wars trilogy, the sequel sequels. The problem with the Star Wars stuff now is it's the Disney effect is that Disney is churning these things out just to flood the the market with product. And whatever you think of, of, of George Lucas, right? Star Wars 1977, Empire Strikes Back 1980, Return of the Jedi 1983, notwithstanding he kind of botches the Boba Fett storyline and introduces too many teddy bears. He, t- he It's not like he went, right, 77, 78, 79, chuck it out, done. He obviously worked on those films and, 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 and crafted them. And... And there's so many failings in the execution of the original trilogy, but you can at least see someone's put some thought into the story that needs to be told. Whereas Disney is only thinking about the money that they're going to make. And that's why it's, that's why it falls down. I still think a good trilogy can be told, but it the, the, I can be told. Although I tend to agree with you that they're not going to be because the people that have got the money to make big stories don't seem to be interested in, 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 in storytelling anymore, I think is the problem. Yeah, I would agree. It's, I mean, the the, the thing is, the, the other thing is, there needs to be some story to tell. I mean, I I don't know if you watch The Handmaid's Tale on television, do you? No, it's not my. Th- I don't like how the main actress is a Scientologist. So yeah, so the the first series is absolutely brilliant, and the reason it's brilliant is that it's based on a great novel, right? And someone still had to do a very good job of adapting it, right? Someone still had to be a good showrunner to give you the episodes from one to ten or whatever it was that, that, that get the story right. So a great deal of skill and thought went into telling the story right. Fair play to everyone involved. But they had a, a strong fundamental narrative. They had they had a skeleton on which to put, you know, on, on, on which to put, the, you know, the meat of their story. Because the, the series was a huge success and there was an expectation that you don't just do one season of a series anymore right they did subsequent series three four i think they're up to five now and the subsequent series are really heavy going because they're not based on a novel they're not based on margaret atwood's stories because you know margaret atwood you know or, or a good novelist will, will spend fucking ages giving you the 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 meat on the bones of, of of story beginning middle and end not necessarily in that order that will actually sustain episodic storytelling right so when all when the only reason they're making a film is to make more money, it that's where it falls down. Now, obviously, there's always going to be the motivation is to make more money. But when they said to to Nolan, "We love that, make another one," Nolan goes, "Okay, but I'm going to give you an arc, and there are decades of Batman storylines for him to kind of work with." You know, he used that whole Bane storyline. He used you know Broken Bat. He used like Two Face and 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 all of the. Almost all of what he did, although he he did it the Nolan way, is based on storylines that someone spent a lot of time working on over the years. So he said, "Oh yeah, there's an arc here. I can work with this." So if that if you need ideas and you need a storyline rather than just that did well, make me two more of those and I'll and I'll sell it to the people so they've got something to to look at while they're eating popcorn. 
that that that's what's going to make a story work, you know. Yeah. And have have you have you got any kind of thoughts of like stories that could make good trilogies that that haven't been done yet? There's a big kind of um, there's a big kind of uh, drive, I think, to to do TV series instead. You know. Yeah, I think I don't think we should ever tell anyone to make a trilogy. I think it's a very success and results based industry. So I think you should just take it one one film at a time, one scene at a time, and just see how we do. I don't think I think it's a bit of a curse to commit to these three films. Commit maybe a billion dollars in budget. And then they end up being flops. You know, Vin Diesel's end up making about 11 Fast and Furious films. But I don't think he ever intended that back in 1998, whenever he made the first one, that he was yeah. ever going to do that. It's just it's based on the success and how people receive the films. And I think it's just too bold to commit to three films. Because if the first one's shit, then you're fucked for the next two. So the first Star Wars, uh, well, Episode 7, is, it's okay. It's a, ca- it's a carbon copy, but it kind of sets up a decent you know, place for the next two and then number two shit and nobody gave no, number eight shit and nobody gave a shit about number nine. So it's, I think don't commit to making a trilogy is what I say. I don't think you should. That that would be my final point about <laughs> trilogies. Well, I mean, a lot of people seem to have had some success by making one good film that, that left room for a sequel. Exactly. And when it was successful and a sequel was green lit, they said, okay, well, how do we tell two more films in this storyline? Yeah. That seems to be a, like a working model that some people have had, but I think that I mean the the advent of TV is 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 a big part of this. I mean, if we look back on on, on the good trilogies that we've talked about here, uh, Dark Knight, it's on the cusp, but you know, Toy Story before it became a trilogy was like ninety five to, to twenty ten, the original Star Wars, and Back to the Future. A lot of these were done before what we what we've been referring to as the golden age of television. Yeah. And one one of the tensions in in Lord of the Rings, um, you know, Christopher Lee was probably the biggest casualty of this. But the the three Lord of the Rings films have got their big theatrical editions, uh, but then they've got the extended editions, which are only ever going to get shown on on home viewing because that you know they, they they make the films like three and a half to four hours long. And Christopher Lee was really furious with the theatrical editions that came out of two and three because they more or less cut his character out. Um, and that tension between you know how much story there is to tell and what you can fit into a movie led to to that phenomenon now in 2001 to 2003 when peter jackson's making the lord of the rings trilogy there was no suggestion that you would make that as a tv show was there not even close the money and and support and marketing and an audience was all all in film back then so they made that compromise they said we'll have the theatrical editions and the extended editions and that's that but the reality is, is that there's about 12 hours worth of storyline there, isn't there? Crammed into eight hours. And if you've got 12 hours of storyline now, you do a 12-episode prestige TV show, don't you? Yeah, that's exactly it. That, that, that's what happens now. Um, and then, it's a shame, the, isn't it? And the, the other thing about, you know, because we're talking about the purity of the trilogy here, the other thing is, is that if, if part three is successful, there's going to be a lot of, lot of pressure to make a part four which is what happened to Toy Story, which is what happened to, you know, Indiana Jones, you know, and it's one thing if you do Star Wars, which is kind of a group of trilogies, that's fine. Um, And it's all right for Batman, isn't it? Because Batman sort of goes through these cycles, you know, there were the Tim Burton Batmans, and then there were Joel Schumacher Batmans, of which, you know, let nothing more be said. But Nolan got to do his trilogy and then go, done, thank you. And, and, And DC went, fine. That's fine. We'll 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 do we'll do Batman with somebody else. That's fine. And the new the new um the new Batman with uh, with Robert Pattinson. If they do two more as good as the first one, we'll be talking about that as a great trilogy, won't we? And if they walk away after that, they say that's fine. It leaves it open for someone else to interpret that that character with a completely new set of films. Um. But there is that tendency, isn't there? Planet, the, the, like I say, I really love the Planet of the Apes trilogy that you know that ended up with Matt Reeves in charge. I think those are terrific films, and I've read the sort of synopsis of the uh, of the new Planet of the Apes, and I kind of feel like it does sound good, but at the end of the day, it does feel a bit like leave it alone. They were great or, as they were, you know. Yeah. Um. In, in in terms of the sort of things that would that would make a good trilogy, I I think some of the things that would uh 
that would work out as trilogies is what one thing is as much as I like television shows and you watch, you know, like everyone, I think I watch, you know, I'm catching up with succession at the moment. There's, you know, there's, you know, I love stranger things on Netflix. You know, there's a lot of great shows out there. There is something about film. Some of the stories that you want to tell Lord of the Rings is a, leave aside that the rings of power hasn't been very successful as much as I'm sure they did. You know, if they did it during the, the, the true great golden age of television, somewhere between 2010 and 2018 or something. Right. And they'd done Lord of the Rings as a the original Lord of the Rings stories as a trilogy. I'm sure it would have been great, but surely you lose something not seeing some of those great scenes. You know, the, the going through the the Misty Mountains or battling through Maria and all of that on the small screen. I don't care how big your telly is. Some of that would lose would lose a lot of its power by not being shown up on the big screen, right? That's why people keep going back to trying to do films of these things. The the latest big one is Dune. Because they did Dune Part 1, and I think they did quite a tricky balancing act there, because they didn't greenlight the second film until they saw how the first film turned out. And it turned out well, and it found an audience, you know, given you know the restrictions of COVID, and they greenlit the second film. And there is talk, because the Frank, Lubick, Frank Herbert told quite a lot of, you know, wrote quite a lot of books, they might well be able to tell, to do a Dune Part 3. So I think that's the route to a trilogy. When there's lots of story to tell and film is the best place to tell it, I still think people are going to be attracted to doing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. In terms of stories that would... The other thing that I think would, would work you know, for a trilogy is when someone's written a long book that you can't do as one film, that's that's your that's your challenge now sometimes that you know again goes towards a like a limited series like when they did good omens on tv and it was probably better than any film would have been I think there are books that are quite sort of epic stories that I'd love to see on film and, and that in that way would make a trilogy. And, and, and genre-wise, when we talk about trilogies, there's a lot of science fiction and fantasy, isn't there? What, why, why, do you think, why, why do you think the those genres in particular um, have a lot of trilogy, you know, trilogy films? Because they're just trying to flesh out the stories. Do you know what I mean? They're trying to... It's different for like everything, everywhere, all at once. Is I suppose it is a sci-fi film, but they're not trying to do loads of character exposition and all that kind of thing. They're just trying to do a film. Yeah, it's a very self-contained story, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's. I think that's where they're just trying to make a film where they've got a story, whereas these trilogies are now stories that they're trying to make into films, not yeah. just a film, and they're trying to expand on it and create as much as they can and do. They want this big set piece for this film because they want to show this. It's. It's just, it's just trying to one. Well, it depends who's doing it, but you know, if it's Disney, they're just trying to make mm-hmm. money and they're trying to make more toys for kids to buy. Um, but for the the Lord of the Rings, they were trying to do a massive story justice, and they still didn't include half the book in it. So it's, it's yeah, it's that to, balancing act, isn't it? It's trying to get as much of the story across as possible, and how much the writers and directors want to tell the audience. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is this because there's a lot of epic storytelling in science fiction and fantasy, isn't there? The, the original writers, they sort of, they realise that if you, you go to a lot of trouble to building a world, it's almost a waste to only tell one, you know, to, to tell one story in that world that you've built. Yeah. It's like, you know, Terry Pratchett, you know, imagined the, the entire disc world and it is an entire world. You know, it is a it is a planet with, you know, multiple continents, different cities, different cultures, different things going on, different ecosystems. And, you know, he sat he sat back, he wrote a couple of stories in it, The Colour of Magic and The Light Fantastic, and then he went, okay, but, you know, there's other stuff going on in that city, that's a story. What's going on on the other side of this world that I've created, that's a story. It kind of lends itself to having more story to tell, that sort of genre, doesn't it? But I, I, it, what, why do you think it is that it's less, far less common for, say, in a crime or action, or, or 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 other genre, for someone to say, I've got, I've got kind of, I've got a story here that I, that I can do over three films. Why why is it so? Why why don't you think people attempt it in as much in other genres? I don't. I couldn't give you a, a straight answer. I think 
Because the Godfather sort of sticks out like a sore thumb on this list, doesn't it? Because it's like a, a, a an, an epic crime drama, but it, all the others are like you know comic book, fantasy, science fiction type properties, aren't they? Even Indiana Jones is kind of an element of fantasy because of the the the, the powerful artifacts involved. Yeah, it. I think it just depends. I think certain genres are just trilogy genres. Yeah, and I just don't think crime falls into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought I don't think I can give you a better answer. Yeah, that. I think cr- crime stories seem to fall into the category of either you'll do one film or you'll do like a you know uh, three seasons of a of a TV series. Yeah, exactly. maybe maybe that maybe that's why it is. Um, you know, maybe you know Narcos is a trilogy. It's definitely the fact that now that you have TV as a long form format for like prestige stories, that's that's one of the things. Um, I think one of the biggest arguments is the visuals, though. Some stuff I just want to see on the big screen. You know, so some of the things that I'd like to see as a as a trilogy. There's uh, Clive Barker wrote, has written some great books, which are far too long to do as one film. Uh, there's a story called Weave World, which probably doesn't break down narratively into three books or three stories. You probably can't do three films of it, but he did a story called A Magica, which I could see it being a great series, but I'd love to see someone do a big screen version of it. I mean, they never would because it would be like massively R-rated with like sex and, you know, sexual content and all sorts of weird stuff going on. But if they did that as a film trilogy, that would be absolutely stupendous. And it's one of those kind of long books that needs more than one film to tell its story. That's the kind of thing that that, that I could see. Um, you know, people have suggested other similar, you know, stuff like that. I mean, there's like... You know, the Discworld's got too many stories to do as one. Wheel of Time has ended up being a, a TV series. They did want to do... Ridley Scott did want to make a film of the original book, The Passage, and that's kind of got three books to it. So that's the sort of thing that we could see a future trilogy of because the original writer has written, um, you know, three books and, and that, that would fit. There's one or two Stephen King novels, which are so long they could go as trilogies, although they did manage to do it as, uh, as two. But I think it's... Um, it's kind of a bit of a rare special thing, isn't it? It's just, it's something that, it's almost like lightning has to strike, doesn't it, to make it work? Yeah, I think, I think it's just one of those things that if it, it, it works and it comes together, it works and it comes together, but it's very rare that that happens. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a little bit easier when someone has, I mean, you look at Park Chan-wook, he has his his, uh, his films, The Vengeance Trilogy, which are Lady Vengeance, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and Old Boy. And they're not a trilogy in the sense that we've discussed because there's, there's not a single narrative arc, but they get referred to as a trilogy because um, he just had three stories to tell on the subject of, of, of revenge. Um, and and they fit together in that sense, and you can see them as companion pieces to each other. So they're not strictly speaking a trilogy, but a, a very a sort of a very interesting, which kind of breaks all of our rules, is Krzysztof uh, uh, Kieslowski, who is a, a Polish director who who sort of defected from communist Poland to France and made films there. His he, his films are called. He made three films called Three Colors, and it's three colors red, three colors blue, three colors white. So he breaks all the rules because it's conceived as a trilogy, right? Because, you know, the, they are called, you know, three, the th- three colours, red, white, white and blue. And there are common themes throughout the stories, but they are three different stories. You know, Juliet Binoche is in one, I think Julie Delpy's in another one. Um, and each one of them tells a different story, but they are exploring sort of a common theme. But it was conceived as three films and it was conceived as three films to kind of see together by the director, but it doesn't have a single narrative arc. So that kind of breaks all of our rules, but still gets called a trilogy. What do you think? What do you think of that idea? Someone making three films on a common theme like that? Um, yeah. If they're, if they're making good films and that's what they want to do, then yeah, fine. Um, I have no problem with people making trilogies. I'm just, here to watch good films so as yeah. long as the films are good i'm all for doing whatever whatever process or whatever themes or whatever storylines you want to follow they're somewhat a trilogy but not fully a story arc then 
I think that's a bit of a grey area to determine whether it's actually a trilogy because it might not be the same characters and the same kind of storyline you're telling over three films. But if it's a good film, I don't actually mind that much. Yeah, it's three films. So, so in a sense, what we're saying is, is that I think we've 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 let out some rules or principles, set out some rules or principles on which we think making a good trilogy depends. Um, because you know those are examples of what what has worked and what has hasn't in trilogies. But Christoph Kozlovski is a really good example of uh, a great kind of uh, theory that always applies, is that there are rules to doing things, but someone will always manage to break them all and still make it work, you know? Yeah. Um, but I think I think the things that we've we've show, that have sh- shown to work as, as in the Bourne trilogy or the Lord of the Rings, is if you've got an original kind of story that works as a trilogy, that's a start. But you need you need to have a story that would like sustain it. One of the other rules is that there is, it's probably safer to make the first film first and then see where you go from there. I think you picked that one out, didn't you? There's been yeah. some successful ones like Back to the Future and uh, and Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy where they've made the first film and then and then you know then see if a trilogy you know a trilogy is possible. Um, we talked about the the rule that I said is that you know just because you throw lots of money at something just isn't going to make it good. I think we've seen that any number of times in films, haven't we? I think the the, the Matrix, you know, it, it is a really good example of that, but but also, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, that so you, money doesn't solve story problems. But, I mean, the the hardest rule is that some sometimes someone needs to understand that, you know, you've, you've already made, you've already told your story, you know? So have we uh, have we done this uh, this subject justice? We haven't gone as long as we normally do, but I think if we've covered it, we've covered it, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, we, we've had some messages about you know trilogies and sort of comments on 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 the, the way we've discussed trilogies, but uh, th- th- this was our take on it. I hope you like it. This isn't the first part of three podcasts we're going to do on the subject because we're not that meta. Um, that's us on trilogies. Thank you very much. That's all for this month's episode of Double Reel. Thanks for listening and for making it all the way to the end. Thanks also to my co-host, James Adamson. The podcast was edited in Audacity and hosted on Spotify. We are grateful for their continued support. The music was Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod. Outside of Double Reel, you can find us both hosting a non-film-related podcast, The Adamson's Versus. Our most recent episode is The Adamson's Versus the BBC, and we are working on bringing you a new episode soon. So this is me, James Adamson, signing off, and... This is me, James Adamson, signing off. Our next episode will be our regular episode 38 next month. Keep an eye out for any special episodes we decide to do in future. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and tell your friends. Until next time, stay safe, watch lots of films, and may your life be as awesome as you pretend it is on social media. Um... I don't know, who's been a cunt this month? Oh, fuck Donald Trump. (laughs) Fuck... Always fuck Donald Trump. Those are standing orders.